This is my son, the beloved, in whom I am well pleased. The voice of the Lord thunders over the waters as Jesus emerges newly baptized. A number of years ago, uh, the church where I served, we were recognizing that having youth group meetings on Sunday night was getting more difficult because kids had so many activities. And I was explaining this to one of the church uh, elders. And this person, uh, name is Beatty, just a really great, great woman. And she said, you know, Pastor, when I was a kid, this is like 30s, she said, when I was a kid, there were two things, there were two activities that we could do as kids. There was church junior choir, and there was Luther League. And that was it. Some of you are nodding, maybe perhaps remembering those days. Okay, that, that's not the world that my, my kids necessarily live in anymore. Uh, there are so many activities. In fact, you know, I used to enjoy Fridays, but, but now I kind of have this anticipatory dread on Fridays because we're going to get this, this just slew of emails from the school. I mean, it is just like boom, 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 boom. And they have all of these different activities that, that our kids can do. And so it turns out that just on a Tuesday afternoon in January, right, our, our children could be doing swimming, karate, board game club. They could be doing coding. They could be doing indoor soccer in the winter and so forth, right? The, the choices are just unbelievable how many activities uh, we can do uh, for our kids. But it's not just uh, for little kids. I think of how many people have retired to Littis, right? They choose where they want to live in their retirement. And everybody, of course, wants to come to America's coolest small town. So you move, say, I'm going I'm to retire in Littis. But then which of like the 75 different retirement communities are you going to live in? And even if you pick one of those and you've got two, you've got three bedrooms, you've got this option, you've got that option, everything is customizable today. Again, you can choose it, you can sort of design it. Or even sort of the, the midlife crisis where you wake up and you say, hey, you know, I, I climbed the wrong ladder. I've, I've done the wrong career. I'm, I'm in the wrong relationship, right? And people sort of then sort of uh, swipe left, swipe right, and they sort of pick who they want to be. We live in a world in which it's possible through economic expansion, technology as well as sort of changing cultural values, we can be whoever we want to be today. We literally, this is the, the century, this is the millennia of designer me, how I want to be. Now you would think that if we had all of these choices about how we want to be, what we want to do, who we want to hang out with, and everything else, where we want to live, you would think that we would be the happiest people that ever lived. Right? Because we, have, we, we can choose who we want to be, what we want to do, how we want to spend our time. There's like no more constraints. We can be whoever we want to be. And so you'd think that we would then choose the happiest path and we would be the happiest people that ever did live on the face of the planet. But we're not. We're not, right? I, I can't objectively say, yeah, my grandmother had way fewer choices than I did when I was a kid. But I can't say that somehow in my midlife, I'm happier than my grandmother was. So, so what's going on where we have all of these choices to optimize our life, to build the designer life that we want to have, and yet we're, we're somehow finding ourselves not fully satisfied, not fully happy? Well, I think it goes into to sort of actually how choice works. And, and there's a real way in which I think we can grow weary of making decisions, okay? I grew up in the 1980s in Philadelphia. Glorious. Okay, now, 
Now there was, the, we had this thing called a TV, okay? And, and what you did, there was a dial you had to turn, okay? And there was click, click, three, click, 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 six, click, 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 10, and click, click to 12, right? And you only got them if everybody stood still and the antenna was in the right direction. So if you actually got a channel, you were really loath to actually change it, right? Because, like, it would mess up the whole universe. You're like, no, I'm just watching this show. Okay, so now Emily and I said, you know, we're, we're going to relax. We're going to relax. So, so we, let's, let's turn on the TV. And we finally surf like, no, no, we'll, we're going to go to Netflix, okay? And then there's this huge menu, right, of all the choices and all the algorithms are telling you what shows you should like. And 35 minutes later, Emma and I did not watch a show and spent the whole time trying to figure out what we wanted to watch. Anybody else that ever happened to, right? You're just like, I don't have energy after a day to make any more decisions about what I want to watch on TV. So part of it is just a decision fatigue in a world with many choices. But, but part of it, um, there's a term that uh, it's called FOMO, F-O-M-O, fear of missing out. And this is the anxiety that, that we experience when, and this, I think it's true for every age, but again, the, the term came out of younger people, but where I don't want to make a decision because I'm afraid if I commit to something, there's something better that I could have done, right? FOMO, fear of missing out. I don't want to make a choice because there's always a tantalizing next best offer for my time on a Friday night, for my career, for my relationship, for anything. And underlying FOMO is FOMU, which is fear of messing up. Fear of messing up. Because of all of life is a series of choices. And nothing anymore is just given. Like, literally life is what we want to make of it. That means that we can really mess it up. Like, the more choices you have in life, the more opportunities there is to make a mistake. And so what then this means is that we sort of all embark on this project of creating designer me, knowing that we can make mistakes all the time. And that tends to do two things. That tends to make us pretty self-absorbed because we're always having to make decisions about how we want to spend our time and our money and what we want to do with our lives and where we want to live and what we want to eat and if we want to eat organic or soy or oat milk or whatever. And then it also just produces a tremendous amount of anxiety because if we're who we make ourselves to be and we're our own created project, then we can royally mess it up. And this is why we all hunger, hunger for a place where we're not going to be judged. Because all our lives are making decisions and then having everybody on social media comment on them. So what are we going to do in this world then where we have a dizzying array of choices... A dizzying array of choices that just sort of shut our brain down and just sort of, if not make us look inward, again, cause all sorts of anxiety. Well, one option is we could go in a time machine and go back to a simpler time. Another option is we could uh, go and say, choose to live in Afghanistan where there's no options at all. We don't really have any choice. We Somehow we've got to move forward. And what we need then, we need, we need to go... We need to go to the waters of baptism. I want to offer that in this world filled with choices that overwhelm us, the, the thing that we need is, is the water and the word given to us in baptism. So let's go then with Jesus to his baptism. And in the Gospel of Matthew, it is actually recorded for us 
why Jesus is baptized. And Jesus lets us know that the reason why he is baptized is to fulfill all righteousness. And that's a big one. Jesus lets us know that he's here for a purpose. And that purpose is making all things right. Between us and God, between us and each other, between us and creation. Again, Jesus is on this this mission to restore all righteousness in all of the world. And that, that mission, that sense of why he's here will lead him ultimately to the cross and to the empty tomb. Again, Jesus inaugurates, begins his his work among us to fulfill all righteousness. But we also discover not just why Jesus is here, but who Jesus is. And the voice of the clouds opens up. And the voice in the clouds says, You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. And we discover in this who Jesus is. He is the beloved Son of God. So now let's go to your my baptism. Because it turns out as Christians, we believe, and St. Paul writes in Romans, that, that in our baptisms, we're connected to Jesus' baptisms. That, again, all Christians all over time were, were united in Jesus' baptism. And, and so then I want to think that this then teaches us in our baptism, this affirms for us our mission and our identity. That it turns out the purpose of your life, the purpose of your life is all righteousness that Jesus is working on. The purpose of your and my life is not to create our best self, our perfect self, our happy self, our achieving self. Our purpose of our life is to participate in the righteousness of God. Again, the purpose of our life is, is somehow that the God sense of wholeness and love works in our lives through us towards others. Right? That we become part of that righteousness, part of that, that circle there that God intends. But I really want to focus, and if you not remember nothing else, this is what I really want you to hear. Just as Jesus was given his identity in his baptism, you too are given your identity in your baptism. And the words that Jesus hears, that he is a beloved child, are the words that were proclaimed to you in your baptisms, that you are a beloved child of God. Now, how many of you woke up this morning and stretched out and said, I am a beloved child made of stardust? Any of you do that? The stardust are, that's actually scientifically true, but... (laughs) The the beloved, this is what the word of God promises, that life doesn't always teach or reveal to us. You are the beloved child of God. And what's really cool about that is that in an age of choice, in an age where we have to sort of worry, do we make the right choices, finally there's something we can't make a choice about. Because it turns out that as much as we can do everything in our society, we can pick and choose and whatever, the one thing we still cannot pick are our parents. Right? You can't choose your parents. You choose a lot of stuff, just about everything. You cannot choose your parents. It's a given. In the same way, it is a given who your heavenly father is. You cannot change this. You see, Jesus Christ has, has chosen you. And you might say, but, but pastor, 
What about, what about the things that I do? What about the times I don't believe? What about the times that I perpetuate and, and involved in hurting others or injustice? What about the things I do that, that go against the will of Jesus? Well, Jesus, again, begins his mission, his mission to restore all righteousness, and it leads him to a cross. And on that cross, the whole world is, is disbelieving. The whole world is scorning him, filled with injustice. And, and what does he do? He stretches out his arms and says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. It turns out that our mistakes, our transgressions, our sins cannot change the fact that God has claimed us as beloved children. There's nothing that can change that. You might even say, well, what about death? But we know Jesus himself came back from the grave. This is an eternal claim that cannot be changed by anything that we do. And so in this world where everything seems up for grabs, finally we have something upon which we can build. That Jesus Christ has chosen to die for you. Jesus Christ has chosen to be risen for you. And Jesus Christ has chosen to reveal and restore all righteousness for you and for all creation. Now what about, though, this issue of choice and, and sort of my will? I'm going to skip over a complicated 2,000-year debate, and I'm just going to tell you and proclaim to you, again, what, what Scripture teaches, and that is that Jesus Christ has chosen, has chosen to die for you and to rise for you, and has chosen that you would belong to him forever. And what this means is that we can wake up in the morning, and we don't have to figure it all out anymore. And we're going to make a lot of choices every day. And we're going to get a lot of them wrong. And that's okay. Because the most important choice, whose we are and where we're going, has already been determined for us. So yeah, there are a lot of choices we have to make. About how we spend our time, about who we love and how we love others. But we don't <laughs> anymore have to spend our time figuring out how to be the perfect self. And instead we can figure out how to love our neighbor in the way of Jesus. And if we focus on those choices, what we'll discover after a week is that we're going to be really hungry. We're going to be really thirsty, parched for the waters of baptism again because we will need forgiveness. And we will need to hear once again the promise graciously and freely given that because of what Jesus Christ has done in his choice for you, that you are and always will be a beloved child of God.